Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Respect is earned, as is friendliness. Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 102, Battle at the Binary Stars, comes to you via subspace podcast now and news from the fleet before this episode leaves orbit pete although uh, cbs all access is following the netflix plan of not talking numbers uh, they are saying that uh, there were a record number of subscribers uh, to cbs all access on the heels of this episode this uh, exclusive episode which we will be discussing this evening so hey in the world of no numbers but it sounds good sounds good to me yeah, and that was the goal with the way that they left you hanging in the in the middle of uh, the Klingon fleet warping in. So, what better news to hear that? It certainly, uh, you know, means good things going forward. With that, Pete, let's head straight into the mission briefing. We begin, Matt, approximately 40 seconds worth of stuff we've already seen. That is to say, uh, Burnham is preparing to fire on the Klingon sarcophagus ship. Uh, Saru declares that this is mutiny. And suddenly, as they're locked on, um, Georgiou comes through the door there, belaying the order, and um, Burnham insisting that she's trying to save them she's trying to save them all with that incoming uh fleet the one difference i noted before we physically matt flash and flashback uh was that saru's uh agape at the size of the fleet that warps in two uh bits of evidence that this really is the second half of a two-hour pilot which is okay i get it the plan from day one was always first episode first half whatever you want to call it the first offering to be on cbs over the air the second half immediately available on cbs all access so i get that it's supposed to be both you know a two-course meal and a and a sit-down dinner all together but two two bits of evidence first as you said this uh this <laughs> recap this this uh revisiting of the end of the last episode and pete let me just get my quibble out now this is a 41 minute episode including credits and coming soon on star trek discovery so it's really like a 37 minute long episode further proof that this is actually part of a two-hour pilot that's all quibble over and it's it's a fair point um i have to wonder when these were served up as as one piece uh for the premiere did you get a little intermission in this same recapping or did they kind of cut it so that it all flowed together as one? It would be interesting to know that. Um, suddenly, Matt, we are seven years earlier. We instantly recognize the Shenzhou's um, transporter room and Sarek and a very differently attired uh, and behaved Michael Burnham uh, beam in. Indeed, it's so interesting to see uh, Sonico Martin Green with her emotions pulled out of her, you know, playing this kind of post Vulcan human Burnham. 
um, particularly on the heels of what we just saw prior to the flashback where she is so emotional and so willing to risk everything in order to, to serve a, a larger peaceful purpose. Um, we even see that Burnham needs a little uh, reminder from her, her teacher and, uh, and protector <laughs> Sarek and some of the niceties of dealing with emotional beings. Yeah. Introduced here as uh, his ward. Um, she's, uh, I guess, properly from a Vulcan standpoint, although he admonishes her stiff and cold. Um, Georgiou reaches the handout and uh, get, gets essentially a lecture from uh, Michael about respect being earned and, and friendliness. Don't, don't you uh, dare <laughs> uh, put your hand towards me. Um, and yeah, the, the, the mention of the, the niceties, the diplomatic niceties by Sarek, but it's not a nego negotiation and Captain Georgiou goes back. Well, let's, let's come back to first contact here. You're, you're the only human to attend the Vulcan learning center and the science Academy, and you're rejoining your kind. Does that analogy, uh, work more or less? And Burnham shuts her down less <laughs> and i love while in the you know that first hour of essentially a two-part pilot uh Sarek was i found particularly detached with burnham there's a warmth in this half uh and i love how he whispers behave right before he uh beams out as if he knows she's going to be difficult it, it, it is always worth remembering, and it's something that, uh, Pete, I'm going to mention the forbidden the forbidden fruit here. It's something that uh, Star Trek 2009, directed by J.J. Abrams, I think um, brought to the surface again, which is that Vulcans are not without emotion. They have, have, have turned their emotional sensitivity down to, to a very, very low point. Uh, and you see that here where there is, you know, where amongst more emotional beings, there'd be the, the hug and the kiss goodbye from the, the father type to the daughter type and so on and so forth here, just that little, you know, behave that is the, that is the fatherly warmth. That is the, the, the warmth of the protector of the teacher, um, that you get from a Vulcan. What follows as they hit the corridor there is a little bit of a discussion about how, well, on Vulcan, the lateral vector transporter tech has been uh, discarded due to massive amount of uh, power it requires. And some background from uh, Captain Georgiou that uh, Shenzhou is old but gets them where they need to go. Um, go ahead. Once again, as the scene unfolds, it's amazing to have moved from from Burnham pouring out emotions, now everything is is so held back, and it's interesting too as as Burnham and Georgiou make their way uh, through a steady cam shot where they're trying to quietly call attention to the fact that they go from transporter room into the turbo lift, then turbo lift into the bridge, all in one uh, seamless shot, and then out into the bridge. Um, this is kind of the, the the series pilot of Star Trek Shenzhou, you know, obviously. Anybody with uh, with a little bit of uh, sense of foreshadowing knows that we're not going to be on the Shenzhou forever on a show called Star Trek Discovery. But I like that we're hitting all those beats here of here's the bridge and we're seeing Saru or she's seeing Saru for the first time. 
I also have to say, Pete, I like, you know, this steady cam thing. Not a lot of Dutch angles, not a lot of turned camera. <laughs> you know, the camera's basically upright, which works more often than not. Uh, but Pete, take us back to the present time, you know, which is our future, but their present. Yeah, with a, another flash back to the current situation, uh, Sorrow explains that there are 25, uh, 24 Klingons, uh, counting the other ship I am. Um, and Burnham points out that the Klingon High Council consists of 24 houses. This is not a coincidence. Um, it suggests someone is attempting to unify the Empire again against us. But Burnham is relieved of duty. She is remanded to the brig, Matt, and that brings us our title card. Obviously, it's the same title card as last time, with the exception of a change in director and writer credit. What struck me this time, which I I saw the first time, you know, saw for the first episode, but it really sunk in this time, is that they save that Alexander Courage uh, theme for the Gene Roddenberry credit, which wasn't obvious when they previewed just the theme. And to me, it was kind of tacked on at the end. Here, it's just here. It just works better. Someone connected with the show, and I don't remember who might have been Anthony Rapp said you know that that the, the the opening music is better when you see the title sequence which is definitely true i didn't have a problem with the music but now it's even better we come out of the title sequence with a wide shot showing all of those klingon ships across from the wee shenzu wow uh, and on that main Klingon ship, uh, many are hollow calling. I, can I use that word? They're hollow calling in, <laughs> uh, largely with excuses, you know, why they shouldn't escalate this uh, confrontation here. But Takovma says that they are forgetting their duty, Pete. Yeah, uh, I did want to point out this second episode. The teleplay is credited to um uh, showrunners Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts, but the story itself back to Brian Fuller again. Um, and where we pick up as this uh, fleet is, uh, you know, bearing down on uh, the Shenzhou, uh, you know, the, the hollow call. We, we've got essentially somebody uh, taking a message. <laughs> We've we've got Volk, who, you know, you and I both seem to uh, believe it, it might have been a, uh, a suicide mission that he was headed on to uh, to light the beacon here. He is playing uh, phone tag uh, receptionist more more accurately with uh, the high council and they want to speak to to Kovma. It's around this point where Takovma flashes back to his own childhood, uh, where where he had grown up around this ship, which had grown derelict, uh, and uh, on the the derelict vessel, Takovma built his sect and built respect for his house from it. And we come out of the flashback with him noting that there is no honor without unity. Pete, he's he's looking to build more than the ship. I think he's looking to build a wall. <laughs> I mean, the, the parallels are, are myriad, um, but I think they break in a, in a couple different directions. And we're certainly going to examine that a little bit more. But um, the, the new player there is the, the Klingon uh, of Cole uh, with the kind of like the, the birthmark or the even the bloodstains on um, 
you know, the, the front of his face and we never see him in person. We only see him on the, uh, the holo call, if, if that's what it is, we're, we're going to refer to it as, and, um, he's the heavy here. He's the one that's, uh, bullying to Kovma, who seems to have been a, a runt as a child. Um, you mentioned that the derelict, uh, sarcophagus ship that, um, to Kovma's father, uh, was custodian of, and it, it, grew to rot on that planet also look you know we mentioned derelict it looks a little bit like an homage to perhaps the uh the original alien and the home world there of uh lv426 i got a distinct vibe even with the landscape um to that i totally agree i think that that was just full-on full-on a nod to to that um it does make me wonder can star trek really be can one claim that star trek is feeling uh, stealing rather from science fiction that came after the original star trek and maybe it's like we can pull from here we can pull from there because you know what you would not be here without star trek so to me it was it, it was a good bit of fun if nothing else but these klingons particularly cold they don't want their time wasted there and i i love the shot of uh volk we've already seen him plunge his hand into the fire and now he's uh clenching his fists here his his lord as he repeatedly refers to him is is disrespected by this lot but once Takovma comes and addresses them uh soon he's beginning to win them over um and, you know, this going forward, I think, is a really important uh, story point. He first talks about, you know, how Cole is using these words, my this, my that. But but you're not talking about uh, my duty or my honor um, that, that uh, Vogue jumps in, that we need to show respect um, and even Cole comes back and says, you need to show respect to us. You're nothing. Hence the flashback of, of the kids wrestling and then him uh, trying to get them to not disrespect the uh, the ship and his house uh, by extension. And, and they just brutalize him as a child. Um, but, uh, you know, to explain about the illumination of, of Kales and to bring it all back to their current situation. Uh, he's striving for unity. Cole says he's disgraced this ship by who he is with the outcasts and the vermin that he keeps uh, company with. And the others, though, this resonates with, particularly the one I refer to as pretty jewelry Klingon, uh, who the woman who has all of the stuff in front of her face, um, who, uh, you know, made me think a little bit of uh, Starship Troopers here. Would you like to hear more? She, she wants to hear more. <laughs> and uh, the, the remain Klingon doctrine. It is around this point that Takovma notes that the last time they, the Klingons, battled the Federation was on Donatu 6. Uh, the Klingons Donatu 5, I'll correct you there. Ooh. Pete, that's a typo Pete. left by left by some of the CD elements in the Federation. All those Seti peaceful Alpha people. Five, Seti Alpha 5? Seti Alpha, you know, come on, man. This it's... is Donatu 6. It's Donatu <laughs> 5. Um 
the Klingons note that, uh, you know, here, here Tecumva is uh, kind of metaphorically beating his chest against one little ship. It is but a fleck. Uh, Pete, Tecumva must have peeked at the script because he says, no, 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 look out. And it's just at that moment that the other Federation ships <laughs> arrive. So I'll give the guy credit where credit is due. He has a wonderful sense of timing. Yeah. And again, the the rhetoric, they've become complacent. Um, there, there's prophecy, there's destiny at work. Um, and these are not new notions with the Klingons, but this is the first time they're practicing them before the Klingons that we will so know and fear down the road. Um, plus, I think the 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 holographic presence there and and the eerie light in which it's shot really further enhances the set and the the presence of this high council that Takovma is not one of. This is an outsider, Matt, uh, who who's suddenly you know gathering a a, a congress and uh, telling them what's what. And uh, some of them outright reject it and, you know, just pawn them off as, uh, you know, they're asking, is, is this even reality out here in the stars? And and some are like, wow, you know, he must have really good ratings. This, this, <laughs> this could be huge. I can't imagine what you're talking about. Uh, disclaimer, we are not trying to connect the end of this episode to any real life people. Um, back on the Shenzhou, uh, it is noted the jamming from the Klingon vessel is no longer happening. This allows Captain Georgiou to send a message out to the Klingons. She notes that there is regret at the death of the Klingon warrior. Uh, she also affirms that they are in Federation territory. Uh, so the Klingons can either leave or open a dialogue so that the Federation can prove that. And this is where Takumba is saying, watch, they're going to say it. They're going to say yep, it, that yep. they come in peace. Their lie, absolutely. Worth noting, Matt, the the Starfleet that warps in contains starships, a number of them loving references. We've got the Clark with an E, which is undoubtedly for Arthur C. Clark, he of 2001. We've got the Shran, which is surely a reference to the Andorian, uh, from Enterprise, we've got the Taplanahoth. Uh, you'll remember Matt, of course, from uh, Star Trek for the Voyage Home. That's the uh, ancient Vulcan matron of uh, philosophy. There, of course, a, a fitting name for a ship. Uh, a couple uh, others here. Ride, probably a reference to Sally Ride, uh, the the female astronaut. Uh, the Earhart. Uh, pretty much self-explanatory <laughs> and the they found Ye- it pete they finally found it <laughs> and and the jaeger there the 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 first pilot ever to break the sound barrier apart from some of those others that that i didn't i mean is edison the thomas edison or is there another hidden meaning who knows but i really really appreciated particularly on a on a second viewing the references buried within there apart from the fact that once Takovma is uh speaking about the the humans and the vulcans and the tellerites and the filthy andorians um and purity being something that uh is important to him later the idea of 
Klingon supremacy comes up. No tiki torches on this sarcophagus ship, but uh, yeah, this this is it. It gets more prescient by the hour. Indeed, Takumva raging that uh, the Federation has come to destroy our individuality. The Council starts to chant, remain Klingon, remain Klingon. Uh, with that, the battle kind of just begins. I like that there's not kind of the extended, you know, close channels, fire everything. It starts as battles start, which is the first, the, the first shot is fired. Um, there's quickly more damage and more action than many a Star Trek episode has seen. Uh, the battle intercuts between bridge shots and space shots. We have, yeah, I mean, all of it is all of it is really, really good. Uh, none of it is particularly, you know, things that we've never ever seen before in a space battle. But it's all, it, you know, it, it's it's hitting all the uh, hitting all the the areas there. We then cut to the brig, uh, where Burnham is not allowed to query the computer. Um, which, which was interesting. The computer can answer yes. questions about not answering questions, <laughs> um, up on the bridge, uh, Ensign Connor, uh, had been, uh, had been wounded, was sent down to sick bay, but instead he has wandered into the brig. Pete, he is shocked. He is dazed. He is saying, why are we fighting? We're Starfleet. We are explorers, not soldiers. Yeah. There's quite a bit of cost throughout this battle, but particularly early on, uh, an early fantastic geek favorite, uh, robot helmet face lady, uh, does a face plant on the bridge. Connor gets his bell rung, winds up in the wrong place. And, uh, twice they mentioned Dr. Nambu once on the PA, uh, as they were getting into the turp, <laughs> the turbo lift seven years ago. And then, uh, he's apparently still doctor now. He's supposed to, uh, you know, help Connor, and then he gets sucked into space. This I did not see coming. I will admit I saw something online last night that I didn't even connect until it had happened, which was like, oh, uh, handsome Ensign, we were just getting to know you, and now you're gone. And I was just like, oh, oh okay. Uh, yeah, sometimes people on Star Trek die. You know, the ones don't get lines. I mean – this guy's casting had been announced, maybe not, you know, with everyone else, but it had gotten the little thing on Twitter where he beams yep. on in and yep. there had been the whole, the whole nine yards. Uh, sure. I was counting on some people on the Shenzhou not making it over to the discovery, but I just figured, Hey, isn't that the young, young, handsome man who flies the ship? He's going to make it over to the, the main ship when that happens, which surely is going to be soon more on that at the end of the episode. Um, Instead, Pete, Ensign Connor, gone, gone too soon, sucked out into the blackness of space, uh, never from which you shall return. There's so many interesting vessels to check out, uh, both Starfleet and Klingon, um, that familiar but updated. There's kind of a, a bird of preyish, uh, almost hybrid of you know, some of the Ferengi back, uh, dome vessel varieties kind of, uh, cruising around there. There's all sorts of, uh, differently shaped Federation, uh, vessels with, uh, nacelles and, you know, deflector dishes in, in unusual spots. There's even one that looked, uh, very similar to, uh, the NX-01 Enterprise, um, but yeah, Ensign Connor, uh, you know, we barely knew you, 
uh, Burnham knew you, and uh, bye bye. With this explosion, Burnham is knocked out as well, and we flash back to her childhood, uh, the survivor of the attack that killed her parents. Uh, Sarek is the one that finds her and initiates a mind meld to kind of bring her consciousness back. I, I, I like that there's not some sort of medical scan to say, oh my, it's a class four coma. Like it's, it's a kid in trauma who's not coming back from, hey, wake up, wake up. I, I don't need more of an explanation if you're then going to do the the writing magic i know that the vulcan people are not literally magic but if you can do the writing magic of and then through the power of alien sci-fi he he pulls her consciousness to the forefront that works for me i don't need the medical explanation of of what he was using in this fake thing to, to get her out of her medical condition and indeed pete in that moment as sarek is doing the mind meld i have to say in that moment mark leonard ceased to exist in my memory if only for an instant James Frayne just nailing Zarek right there. Perish the thought, but I have to agree with you there. He's done an excellent job thus far as Zarek making it his own. Uh, but dual duty there done with the mind meld that comes back in a little bit. Uh, Burnham comes to the camera pulls out from the brig uh, the containment fields in place, other containment fields also with this jagged scar running the side of the saucer section of the Shenzhou. That ends the act as we go to commercial, at which point I was like, wait, I thought we weren't doing act breaks. I guess to be fair, since part of CBS All Access is ad free, but I think what they're viewing is as the main thing. Um, is with uh, is with ads. I guess we have act breaks to look forward to for the foreseeable future, um, because they're breaking for ads to help subsidize the thing. So right. it is what it is. Um, but after the act break on the bridge, Georgiou asks for an update. Sarah uh, reports that uh, there's uh, hull breaches on, on decks one through three and six through nine. The brig, you know, I mean, other people have died too. But Pete, you know. The top build person, she's in the brig. <laughs> it's almost like uh, Saru and and Georgiou know uh, it's it's her show, and th there's this sentimentality. But at the same time, this woman is the reason they are in this position right now. One because of the accident with the flyby uh, to to check out this object of unknown origin, the, this beacon. And two, because she went to give the Balkan hello, which uh, did not take place. And, and now they're in this fierce firefight. We go back to the brig where, uh, where Burnham is getting a countdown to, to her own death as the power is fading. Um, at this point, in what I thought was a really uh, well-executed bit of story trickery, which that might not sound like a complete compliment, but it is. It's at this point that she is able to mind meld with Sarek, who explains that since they had the transfer of his Katra back in her, you know, when he found her, which we saw in the flashback, mm -hmm. it makes this type of communication possible. 
We also see that Sarek is in pain, communicating that it's difficult to communicate like this. So, Pete, we get the communication when we need it, but because it's a strain, there now is the story out. So it's not going to be every time Burnham is in trouble. It's not going to be right. let me let me mind meld Dad and say, Dad, <laughs> I'm we're trapped trapped in a rock slide on you know on Upatau Prime. Call the Federation, won't you? It, I just I love the I love the simplicity that they get to both have this and not have it when they don't want it. He sensed her despair here and uh, communicating this way comes with some cost as he's wincing. Uh, but this wasn't for a farewell. He wouldn't risk. It's only logical, Matt. He wouldn't risk his well-being for sentimentality. No, he thinks this death and destruction that's been raining down on Starfleet now was to be expected, but he can't abide a waste of resources. And he tells her that she is gifted, that she's brave, that she must do better because he knows that she can. And, you know, this this is uber supportive uh, Sarek that uh, – you know, other than some emotional lapses, um, you know, he's he's always been very straightforward and, and detached. And, uh, you know, James Frayne does a wonderful job inhabiting this character that Mark Leonard, um, you know, birthed and, and made so famous. Indeed, Pete. Uh, longtime listeners will remember that he uh, he was in a few episodes of uh, Agent Carter, which we uh, which we podcasted, mm-hmm. and that he had no dialogue in it. He played a mute character. I dare say, Mister Frayne's abilities not used to the fullest in that uh, in that show. Here, though, uh, Burnham noting that that Sarek was never one to bolster her self esteem, and we see Frayne. He's detached and emotionless, but he is also able to look shocked and hurt but doesn't show either emotion. I mean, it's, it's an acting toward the force. It's back to, you know, just that minimalism that, that Leonard Nimoy brought to it. And in closing out his message, you know, you had mentioned earlier, Pete, he's really calling because he cannot abide a waste of resources. She's gifted and brave. Let's not waste that. He also, as he concludes the conversation, he bids her to live long and prosper. I mean, this is the get back in there kids speech. I know you can do it. It's a a pep talk. Let's call it what it is. It's a pep talk. And as we segue back into the present, she stands up in the in the cell here. All right. Uh, Enough of the human uh, feeling sorry for myself and waiting for the, you know, 15 percent shield to buckle and uh, fill my lungs with uh, the cold darkness of space. Now I'm going to figure something out. Back into the firefight, we go there, and um, there, there's cost again on on both sides. They've got uh, ships locking on them. The Shenzhou does. Uh, they divert power. There's more explosions across the bridge. There's a containment field that uh, powers up there, and uh, Michelle Yao. You know, though we don't get to see her be a captain for long, she is, in my mind, an all-time captain across all of the series that we've seen now. Um, I'm I'm just really, really hoping that the death is something that allows us to sprinkle in seven years, maybe even more, dating before um, her her taking Burnham on from Sarek of 
uh, who she was. There, there's mention of tremendous pain in her background. Um, really sad to see her go. Uh, they, they had her on after Trek last night. They begin filming the final episode. They began filming the final episode of season one today, episode 15. Uh, so, um, Sonequa Martin green is in Toronto. Um, Michelle Yao was sitting right next to her in Toronto. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, at least a flashback into the season here. Ooh, well, that is interesting. If Michelle Yao is there versus back to, back to wherever that said, I think, you know, for all the time and money and resources that have been invested into the show, if you want to get Michelle Yao on the set to do the after show, that might be, uh, that might be easy to do regardless. Um, the ship, though, is in peril. You mentioned that there's a, there's a force field holding back space. Uh, they are adrift. A Klingon ship uh, appears behind them, ready to, to go in for the kill, but then it pulls back. And very quickly, our crew here figures out why. They're being pulled into the gravity of the binary stars. Um, though good news, Pete, they're not going to get crushed by that gravity because they're about to run into an asteroid. And uh, Georgiou really showing her her mettle as a captain, even with uh, with the odds not looking good. She's ready to abandon ship, but then suddenly everything stops. Good news, Pete. The Europa has arrived. Oh, the same Europa that was in the previews, not looking too hot. But we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Ring-a-ding-ding, Pete. It's the Admiral on the holophone. Yeah, and I appreciate with this effect here, it's not just, you know, you, you show up in terms of your image. The guy full on jaunts around their bridge, steps up steps, and is now next to Georgiou getting the update of, of what happened. The Stars um, War doesn't do that. Yeah, they, they don't. Uh, you, it's almost always a, a stationary situation. Um, so he's uh he's confident that with the casualties on both sides here okay they must be ready to come to the table open a, a channel and he's addressing to kubma here um speaking for uh with authority for the entire federation proposes a ceasefire to kubma deigns to speak in english matt and, uh, or at least the he... common tongue, Pete. I don't know that it's necessarily <laughs> English. In fact, Pete, I, I heard that those watching in Netflix, Basic. France, he speaks he speaks French and so on and so forth. Just as an aside, and I had sent you the screen capture, um, we are poor for not getting this on Netflix in these United States, Matt, because there is a subtitle feature on Netflix to uh, watch the show entirely in Klingon which is brilliant. Uh, whoever came up with that, just well done. I mean, there's all sorts of translators on live, but that th you would take that dialogue and, and convert it all. Just mad props to whoever thought that one up. What a, what a loving touch. Um, what's not a loving touch here, Matt, is the way that Takuma lures the Admiral into a false sense of security uh, speaking English here tells them that he's pleased. He's here waiting for someone worthy of their attention. He accepts the offer. Hey, prepare to receive my envoy. Um, not mentioning that his envoy is some massive ship. We did not know was cloaked. We only see cut a, you know, ragged hole that splits the keel 
of the the Europa uh, surprise attack, and uh, they explode there um, after a purposeful antimatter containment breach. The Europa uh, ejecting escape pods and taking it upon themselves to take both ships out really must have been kind of a no-win scenario there, Matt. Oof. We get an act break. We return with Takovma saying that they have suffered losses. They the Klingons, but the Federation has lost more. Takovma tells the council to return home and spread the word that the Empire is united under Takovma the Unforgettable, Pete. Try forgetting that name. I saw a great meme somebody had uh, put together already with uh, Nat King Cole's Unforgettable uh, <laughs> and Takovma. And, you know, yes, he is he is lost in this episode. But what was the whole point of the character? He lit the fire. He does go out a martyr. He has disciples here in Laurel and Valk and uh, these other members of these uh, Klingon houses, whether it's Dekor or uh, what's the other one here, Mokai, both pledged their support as well. So, um, yeah, the, the guy had uh, what they call uh, it's not Klingon, Matt, it's uh, Chutzpah. <laughs> With that, all the Klingon ships start to leave, except for one. It is Takovma's ship, and he is hailing just a general broad hail. Um, and he notes that what is said to be the edge of the Federation is too close to Klingon territory. Uh, essentially, this idea of get out. Uh, and Takovma says that that uh, that they are to be his heralds to take word back uh, about word the fury. What? What's that? Word of what? Word of the destruction that happened here at the Battle of the Binary Stars. Specifically Klingon supremacy. Off we go to the brig where uh, Burnham is ready to outthink the computer. Essentially, you know, doing a logic puzzle against the computer to uh, to get the, get the uh, computer to give her a pressure shot out of the brig and into the pressurized hallway by way of the... the the dark black uh, death of uh, of space, and uh, it's a fun bit of logic indeed. Yeah, the the back and forth here with the computer, the ethical protocol uh, versus a life saving circumstance. Uh, computer calls her bluff. This is speculation. Uh, approximately eight minutes left here before everything goes down. Uh, she'll die with 15 seconds of exposure. So, hey, you know, open a meter size hole for me. I'll get across in six seconds. Uh, ethically, you know it's right. Boop. Yep, you're right. So 43% chance of survival. Great. Depressurize. I'm going to jump across and she survives. Um, Burnham's already physically been through a lot in these first two episodes. She had those intense radiation burns in the first one, and now she's survived a, a brush with a vacuum of space in, you know, six seconds or less. So this all on top of, uh, I, I guess a, a court martial at the end, if not an outright, uh, trial and, uh, you know, uh, life in prison. So, whew, you know, Michael Burnham is, uh, she's been through the ringer. 
it's not it's it's not the best day of her life, I dare say. Uh, back up to the bridge we go, where Georgiou and Saru talk ways of attack, despite the ship being lame and essentially out of commission. Uh, they first get the idea to transport photon torpedoes to the hull of the Klingon ship, that then becomes. Uh, putting them on worker bees to send them toward the Klingon ship. Uh, we intercut with the ship where uh, the dead are to be retrieved and entombed. And I dare say this moves at a pace where you kind of can't, you can't see the twist coming uh, until it is figured out by, uh, by the good officers there. Um, all of this is, is done with Georgiou ready to sacrifice herself. She will fly one of those worker bees herself. Um, but, uh, that is when Burnham arrives. You have this plan to kill Takuvma. Burnham says, you simply can't do that. And Pete, the story moves to the ready room where, uh, Burnham lays out, I think a very logical, no pun intended, uh, argument here to kill him is to martyr him. You have to capture him to shame him and to shame his ideology by extension. And uh, is not on board, though. She shakes her head. She's always been worried about Burnham's Vulcan logic uh, being something that would come back and, and affect the situation, affect them. Pete, you mean and it has. Her Vulcan upbringing would trump her humanity? Those are the words that are used. Um, yeah, it's first the the Georgiou, uh insistence that she'll do the suicide mission and Yes, we've talked on air. How long is Michelle Yao for this show? She's a big star. Shades of uh, Janet Lee and, and Psycho and everything there. And okay, you thought you were being sold it this way. And then we go into the ready room. All right, no, Captain, you're you're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to attempt to, um, you know, uh, redeem myself. And you're like, wait a minute, you, we got this lady from The Walking Dead. The the show had had passed her by, and then they brought her back. They're they're banking on all of this. No, she ain't driving it in there either. What's gonna happen? Um, and amidst this discussion about humanity, to find out that the reason Sarek asked uh, Captain Georgiou to take Michael Burnham on was that she was a human who had seen a life of loss and still chose hope. I've seen a lot of discussion amongst some viewers and fans who have called in particular this second episode and, and both that have aired so far, not consistent with the previous incarnations, the hopeful incarnations of Trek, but there's this kernel there. And Aaron Harbert's on After Trek specifically talked about, okay, we put them in a war, but it's about how you come out of war. It's about how you deal with war. Um, so that really resonated for me as a as a viewer. And then, you know, Georgiou's beside herself. What an ego she had. How could she think she was going to be able to pick away at the shell the Vulcans had had put in place? Um, you know, and for Burnham to come back here and, and say that, well, you and the crew were more important to me than Starfleet principles. This, when we mentioned Starfleet general order one, not the prime directive, um, in the very first episode, I, I think is really important before we're interrupted by the whooshing green light. 
Indeed, Pete, that whooshing green light is uh, is the Klingon tractor beam bringing back the bodies of the dead. And all of a sudden, on the fly, Georgiou is now, uh, she's going to change up the plan. Nobody's going to pilot the warhead. Uh, instead, they have, a, they have a different plan. She tells Saru to spool up the transporter and to get the photon warheads to the transporter room as well. I think we can see where things are headed, but first we get an act break, then we return back, this time with Takovma, offering funeral blessings, that that dialogue uh, over the scene of Saru taking out the warhead of the torpedo, preparing to send it on a Klingon body. We see it transported to one uh, accordingly with that great new transporter effect. I know that we've seen some transportation prior to this, but the warhead was right there and that kind of cubification. Um, the body, the Klingon body gets pulled in. There's a massive explosion on the neck of the ship. Uh, and we see that the ship is, you know, quite damaged. And uh, then Pete action returns to the Shenzhou where Georgiou and Burnham, they are in their tactical gear. They're ready to beam into the ship, ready to uh, to cause some, cause some trouble and mayhem. I just want to return to that scene of the, the bodies being tractored into the sarcophagus ship, that brilliant green light. And then there's a stained glass type of effect to where they're heading which I think makes grafting the explosive onto the body of, of one of the soldiers, one of the officers that they're pulling back in on top of Tukovma's hands-on nature. He's going to prepare each body himself with his bare hands for entombment. You know, he doesn't just walk the walk. I'm sorry, talk the talk. He walks the walk. He's He's really... Uh, you know, taking these losses personally, maybe there is something to this messianic prophecy. Hey, time will tell. More immediately, though, as Georgiou and Burnham beam onto the Klingon ship, they immediately take out two Klingons, um, and uh, a third one gets uh, gets shot in short order. But uh, at this point, Vok takes out Burnham, and Takovma attacks Georgiou. Pete, this is not an issue of the girls fight the girls and the boys fight the boys. This is captain versus captain. Uh, it's a pretty good fight. And how do I say this delicately? I think the fight had some pretty good and thoughtful cutting away from from the mature Michelle Yao at, at moments where perhaps, where perhaps well, it was best to, to, to cut away to a, a stunt double or a shot of Takovma or whatever it might be. Or uh, crouching tiger hidden dragoning his uh, behind there. Uh, wanted to kind of see her jump up onto uh, the, the bat lift and, and balance for a moment uh, in an homage to that great role. But uh, let's let's not give Burnham short shrift here with Vok plunging her fingernails into the dude's eyes um, and, and just creating that visual for later on as he's cradling to Kovma. Um, it, it is a, a good fight. Uh, it, it goes in a way I, I think we were expecting. We had floated the possibility before that, uh, Captain Georgiou would not make it out. And, uh, you know, here she gets run through. It's particularly tragic given that Burnham had just grabbed a phaser. It's doubly tragic in that, you know, Saru uh, lost the life sign. What's going on over there? Um, you know, if she's deceased, 
you mentioned body. I got to get you out of there. And she's running to the body and she is ripped, beamed away. Um, and it, it really, really resonates. I, I love the emotional potency of the scene. I also love the, uh, the professionalism of Saru, who certainly is not mm-hmm. the focus of it. I, I, I think he's barely shown in the scene and certainly most of it is, uh, you know, over voice communicator, but I mean, this is what professionals do. Professionals get the person out of there when they have to and worry about, you know, worry about who can't be gotten out, worry about that later, but get out who you can. And he cares um, about her. There, There is this connection. And, you know, we, we note a little bit with the coming this season later on. He's going to run into her. Obviously, he's a high-placed officer. And he's going to wind up on the... Those of us who are spoiler-free, <laughs> like... I, I, as soon as it said coming later this season, I saw one shot uh, of, isn't that Micah? And then I well, turned it off because got to be spoiler on free. That. Let uh-huh. me say to all the brethren out there, to maintain spoiler purity, no. we must be spoiler free. <laughs> You're not going to remain uh, spoiler free. Only if you are spoiler free <laughs> can you enter Stovokor. Well, you know what? I I will happily go to the Klingon hell to get every piece of this show as quickly as I can. Um, I, I had tried and tried and tried to get my hands on this show before it aired. And despite my best efforts, could not happen. But th- this Saru Burnham um, relationship, which, let's be honest, is is really desperate uh, for Picard data. This is Kirk Spock. Put it amongst your best duos. This is desperate and, and destined to wind up in that area. Captain first officer. Um, and I love their rapport. He cares for her. Uh, and let's just say, even though he cares for, her, it's not going to make it easy going forward. Uh, back to the Klingon ship, Vok is talking to Tekovma as the latter dies. Ever, not, I'm not even going to say points off. The fact that Tekovma is monologuing as as death takes him. You know what? I I sometimes when and when the life fades, I suppose that's the time where you where you share your latest and or your final and, and your perhaps your greatest thoughts. Uh, Tekovma reminds Vok that they are to follow Kalis, to always fight, to never hide. And with that, Tukovma dies. Um, this is when things get serious, and things get serious in a way I was not expecting because I was right on board with, and then the discovery shows up, and there's something akin to, hey, we need a ride, or hey, we're here for the sick and wounded. No, no, we see lifeboats rather dramatically leaving the Shenzhou, yeah. this kind of, you know, this this opening of the, the, the top shell to release all those lifeboats. You think of all the times that lifeboats have been mentioned all the way back to Scott's Guide to the Enterprise, and you say, that's a lot of lifeboats. Well, here we see them. Then, Pete, we get a court-martial voiced over, uh, Burnham having charges uh, put against her, and she declares herself as guilty on all counts. What would she like to say before sentencing? Uh, she talks about always having believed in service, dreamed of her own command, but now that dream is over, and you see Sonequa Martin-Green as emotionally raw. This is a spectrum of difference from the woman that she was shown only at the top of this episode, Pete. Yeah, the only ship she's ever known is in ruin. Uh, her, her crew is gone. Uh, her captain, her friend, 
she has become the enemy. Um, so with that, they rule that the defendant, Commander Michael Burnham, is stripped of rank and imprisoned for life. And what a way to end effectively your two hour premiere. Um, the, the ship that the show is named for has not shown up and you just sent your lead to prison for life. I was absolutely shocked. I in no way saw that kind of ending coming. And again, just jaw on the floor as the episode ends. Burnham there without a team, without a crew. Pete, let's take a moment to acknowledge our team, our crew, the people who make this podcast possible on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. I would fight a war for them, Matt. I would start a war for them. Um, and just the, the wonderful people who even consider going to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N uh, slash fantastic geek. Uh, everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels that you can donate at. There is the uh, Mary Kirk uh, torchbearer level uh, and everything in between. And there are all sorts of perks. So you can get yourself a, a fantastic geek uh, mechleth, uh, all, all this other stuff, uh, you know, Legalese here, Mechleth may or may not be a, a thing we give you. Um, but, you know, thank you again for even considering it. Uh, you help us so much with the bandwidth, with all these other costs that we accrue in bringing this to you. And we know it's difficult, particularly in light of the discussion about, you know, people cutting cords and then adding CBS All Access and everything there. So doubly uh, gracious of uh, people, particularly in light of uh, Star Trek Discovery. We guarantee 100% that you will not suffer the fate of uh, Ensign Connor there. We, we will protect against it if you're part of, our, uh, part of our Patreon team. With that, Pete, let's segue towards a threat analysis. We'll begin with Takovma the Unforgettable here, Matt. Uh, lighting the fire uh, taking care of and tending to the dead gone too soon. But Chris Obie in these first two episodes, the, the title says it all We're we are not going to fail to remember him anytime soon. I was certainly surprised that he was killed off and I don't know why. I think just because the actor has had quite the positive presence on, uh, on social media in the lead up towards these episodes, uh, so for me, it was a pleasant, if not somewhat bittersweet, uh, surprise because he really is so charismatic. Yeah, and um, the the backstory is is loaded. I mean, is it somebody that we can revisit at some point? There's mention of uh, you know having Kless reborn in him, and that that messianic part of the prophecy. Uh, but I, I really, really got a lot out of his character in the, in the two brief episodes we knew him. Next on the list, we have Cole, who uh, certainly is one of, the, one of the few Klingons not won over by Tukovma's dogmatic approach. Indeed, I think Cole uh, kind of uh, holding a place in the story for whatever internal debate we might see as these episodes unfold. 
Yeah, he's somebody to watch, I think, going forward. Um, Had seen more and more of him showing up as far as the run-up to Discovery here in the past couple weeks. Played by Kenneth Mitchell here, Matt. Uh, Run into him quite a bit on social media. Um, And to finally see his character there again with those kind of... uh, whether it's a birthmark or war paint or whatever, um, you know, really something to behold. Yeah, Ken Mitchell definitely has uh, has had quite the presence uh, on social media lately. I'll admit I had wondered, you know, is he Cole? Is he Vok? I know he wasn't Takuvma. I'm um, just kind of trying to read those tea leaves of, you know, not that not that any of them aren't enthusiastic, but just trying to read the tea leaves of, oh, this guy's still talking about this show versus say you know, the actor who played Connor, who who had some shine to him, but you kind of, in retrospect, go, oh, that's why he hasn't been yelling from the rooftops that he's on this show. He's in six, eight scenes. That's about it. And usually as button pusher guy. But um, to me, it just gives all the more suggestion that we will see more from Cole. With Valk, we continue to have a character on the rise here. He's with Takovma in his dying moments. He's he's really the the water carrier as far as he's concerned there. Suffers the scar at the hand of Burnham, something I have to imagine will come back around. He's physically been been marked by her. Um, and that her captain, her boss, took out his lord is certainly something to look for a, a matchup down the road. Last on the list is Laurel, who uh, we've spoken a bit about, uh, particularly off mic. Uh, the fact that uh, that um, Mary Chifo has, uh, by way of her mother, who's also an actress, has has a connection to Brian Fuller. I think that might have been an entrance to her getting the role, but something tells me in some of the uh, some of the time that's gone by since the pilot was first shot and whatnot, something tells me that her role has been on the uh, on the increase. Yeah, and um, interesting in in this episode, I think she had a little bit more to do in the pilot than she had here. Um, obviously, there's quite a few shall we say more important Klingons that populate this episode. We have the council showing up and, you know, with the uh, cadre that Takovma has of both Laurel, who's important to him from a leadership standpoint, and then Valk as this, you know, kind of lackey uh, hype man, if you will, um, to, to see her there. She, I think was the stability for Takovma and I'm interested to see where she lands in this newly unified empire, or is it? With that, let's activate our long-range sensors. Pete, let's talk about discovery, not discovery. Yes, discovery with a lowercase d is what's taken place in these first two episodes. Uh, we had the discovery by the Shenzo, particularly Michael Burnham of the signal emitter of the sarcophagus ship of the Klingons attempting to unite there, but we still don't have the vessel discovery and really bold to do that 
in these first two episodes. Indeed, Aaron Harberts admitted um, he feels episode three is kind of the discovery pilot, if you will, um, which is a really interesting and, you know, risky way to go, I think. Um, there, there are people, and in fact, Matt Myra even begins with it. Discovery, where art thou? <laughs> uh, on on the After Trek uh, talk show. So I, I think it's it's worth discussing. If one is going to apply the the gold standard of television, at least of this current age of television, to Star Trek Discovery, then one must look towards Game of Thrones, and you think of how expansive the the game of thrones map has become on the show uh and then you add to the mythology you know there's dragons and far-off lands and things of that sort where does that pilot start i mean it starts at the very beginning in in the neighborhood of one castle and not too far from it and a fairly small unit a family unit plus plus a bit more and then the world gets built out from there i think that's what they're trying to do here with Again, just the stunning ending. I in no way expected her to be stripped of all rank and sent to prison. I, I was sure it was going to be, and you are reduced to the rank of ensign. Uh, good luck on your next posting. And then you right? go, oh, okay, next episode is going to be, you know, the discovery pilot, as you say. And instead, they've taken away all the toys, and I'm beyond shocked. Yeah, I just cannot believe it's not where both of us, either of us saw it going. Um, the the minute the tractor beam started, I'm like, there, there's Captain Lorca and the Discovery. They're here to say, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's the other shit. OK, it's still coming in. Bail. No, no Discovery. Um, and there's an air of mystery to that that you can't help but embrace. Um, obviously it's the name of the show. Obviously we see the little ship in, in the credit sequence it's coming. Um, but I really have to give them credit for carrying it off the way they have. You know, if if you had the show called enterprise (laughs) and, and you went two episodes without the enterprise, um, at the height of Trek or all right, then it, it was on the way down post Voyager, uh, I, I think there would have been controversy. Tongues are wagging about this. I don't think to the extent because I, I think people are, are glad to get Trek back on their TV and, and Trek TV back in general. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it was bold, man. I fully respect the guts. Don't know if I could have done it. I think there had been a proposal maybe for Enterprise. I don't quite remember in the Trek mythos, but there was there was a storyline proposed that you wouldn't um you wouldn't you'd show the ship being built and you wouldn't launch the ship until halfway through the first season. So a little a little whiff of that. That uh, fr- seems familiar and there's there's times during that show I want to say post Zindi when it's kind of coming back together and they deal with, with some of, of that, they do a little bit of that, but to begin in such a way, um, again, you know, really, really confident in, in what they have. And so far, Matt, you know, I, I think they've shown us the goods. Let's talk too about how the show has had the, uh, the, the, the courage to kill off two leaders. We've lost a, a very experienced captain, 
as well as the the admiral character this is a this is a fleet in disarray and a fleet that uh you think would value Burnham's leadership in some degree, but instead has pinned this whole mess on her. Hang on, Matt. There, there are a lot of fine people on both sides. Let's not leave Tecovma out of this. <laughs> You're right, Pete. There, there are two sides to every, every single argument. Um, but Pete, let's, let's focus on the Federation loss, the Starfleet loss, just, just for the moment. I think we anticipated that Michelle Yao would be taken from us all too soon. Let's let's hold out hope that she's going to pop back up via flashback or, you know, she's secretly Vulcan and has a Katra or or whatever. Um, because, again, I, I think she really cemented her presence in, in these two episodes. Uh, and again, it's why you don't believe the IMDB because Ensign Connor is listed as being there for the teens. And I think we can all agree that's not going to happen uh, unless they're suddenly going to make the discovery also a sarcophagus ship. And uh, Burnham is going to visit his uh, his frozen corpse uh, every episode. Um, the Admiral, and I remember just like with, uh, the, the Ensign Connor characters cast announcement, they did the same with this Admiral who, as far as I'm concerned, we never got a last name and the, the poor guy, you know, oozed gravitas in, uh, you know, coming to the, the rescue with, um, with the Shenzhou and, uh, then gets blindsided by this massive vessel that he's, he's forced to, uh, self-destruct to, uh, save everybody else. So the Federation has suffered an awful lot. I'm really hoping for additional through the, you know, showing uh, exposition, the next couple episodes, you have to imagine that Burnham is reviled in light of everything that's that's happened and do we hear number of uh you know dead do we hear the the number of vessels lost do we hear about the colonies that have fallen in the immediate aftermath of this the star bases weakened whatever it is there will be ripples of this and I'm salivating to get to those details and what they mean for our story and our character I think concerning the uh, the life that the Admiral had prior to his death, as shown here, all grist for the mill when it comes to, uh, you know, the attempt at an expanded universe, you know, the books, the comics. Uh, who knows, Pete, it could be the, you know, day in the life of the Admiral, web only, uh, YouTube only, whatever it is, you know, missing pieces kind of thing. So all all grist for the mill. Let's now, Pete, talk about that other leader with the, uh, the loss of Tacovma. I mean total shock on top of shock that you, you kill George you off, but you also kill this, this big bad Klingon who, again, the gravitas, Chris Obie, uh, Royal Shakespearean, uh, background. And, uh, wow. Um, who picks it up from here? Is it Cole? Is it Laurel? Is it Valk? Is it, uh, you know, pretty, uh, Klingon lady jewelry face. Um, you know, does, does robot, uh, you know, uh, helmsman from the, uh, discovery, uh, who took a bump on the head. Does she get a crack at the, at the Klingon throne? Who, who's, who's filling this void? 
So it's kind of like a game of Klingon <laughs> thrones of some sort. I don't understand that question and I will not respond to it. Well, with that, let's go to... Healing frequencies open, sir. Pete, we start with a message via the Universal Translator. I know we were both tickled pink to receive a tweet from at Star Trek Dog. That's Stella, the Star Trek Dog. Uh, supposedly the, uh, the the tweeting persona of uh, Nicholas Meyer's dog who, who, uh, who inhabits the Star Trek Discovery writer's room. And uh, Stella quote tweeting us and saying, after nearly two years of hard work, it's great to find that the fan community understands what Star Trek Discovery is trying to say. Pete, she said that about us. I was so taken aback uh, to to get this notification here. We have we have followed Stella for a while, um, got a response uh, one time, but here to know that on the other end, they are checking out, uh, our episode one Oh one podcast and then linking us with their hard work. Uh, wow. It, it was, that was a tremendous, tremendous moment. And, uh, you know, whoever's on the other end, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for doing that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great account. We, we get a lot of, uh, fun out of following it. And, um, yeah, I, I, I can't, uh, say thank you enough. Pete, who else do you have on hailing frequencies? Well, Matt, we heard from Eric Berry. That's at Trekkie, uh, with an I E B four seven uh of the first episode he said he loved it lots of tension and drama but still star trek the wait is hard for episode three uh the quote this season trailer unquote had a lot of cool stuff matt doesn't know what that means uh cody at cody s dax uh said simply it was perfection and uh, the Tood abides. That's at Der Mood Tood said it made me exclaim, "Quote: Are you effing kidding me?" Unquote. Twice in two hours. Any show that does that, I stick with. Smiley emoticon. Well, certainly tons of enthusiasm there. Pete, we can now add one more enthusiastic voice to it. Uh, we're going to pick another winner in our uh, Star Trek Discovery Insignia Badge giveaway. And uh, this time, I put all the names into a big uh, into a big hopper. I spun it all around. Pete, the winner picked is Tans Asa on Twitter. That's uh, Dennis to his uh, to his friends, I suspect. And uh, he will be winning Pete his pick amongst these uh these badges that we're giving away which is a roundabout way of saying we're gonna have more to give away uh certainly keep following us on social media and uh and reaching out and so forth because uh we we have more goodies coming yeah these are really sweet and you're gonna want one of these so again to to be in it there uh pay attention on social media on uh twitter in particular You've got to follow, you've got to retweet, you've got to favorite it uh, to be in it to win it. 
We would love to continue to hear from listeners and from Star Trek fans. Pete, let's start with how people can be in touch with you. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-9472. Followers can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P and the H. Visit us on fantasticgeek.com. Send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com. See us under the name Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with the PH all one word like it today like away. If you are listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be back this Friday or Saturday to discuss the triumphant debut of Inhumans. Uh, But then, of course, this upcoming Sunday slash Monday, we'll be back for episode 103 of Star Trek Discovery. That is definitely has me excited to see. And uh, it is just a wonderful time to be podcasting and uh, to be getting together with all our listeners. Can't wait. Well, that Pete... I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Look to the stars. Our destiny has arrived.